Everyone who remembers Nola says she was a wonderful girl. One of those girls who leaves an impression on people, gentle and considerate, radiant and good at everything. Apparently, she had a unique joie de vivre that could light up even the dreariest days. She worked at Clark's on Saturdays. She would twirl lightly between the tables, her wavy blonde hair dancing in the air. She always had a kind word for every customer. She was all you saw. Nola was a world in herself. She was the only child of David and Louisa Kellergan, Southern Evangelicals from Jackson, Alabama, where she herself was born on April 12, 1960. The Kellergans moved to Somerset in the summer of 1969, after the father had been hired as pastor for the congregation of St. James's Church in Somerset. The church, located on the south side of town, was an impressive wooden building of which nothing remains today, because it and the main church in Montbury eventually merged due to dwindling attendance and contributions. A McDonald's was built in its place. Upon their arrival, the Kellergans moved into a nice one-story house belonging to the parish, located at 245 Terrace Avenue. It was, in all probability, through her bedroom window that Nola disappeared into the woods six years later, on August 30, 1975. These details were among the first given to me by the regulars at Clark's, where I went the morning after my arrival in Somerset. I woke spontaneously at dawn, tormented by the unpleasant feeling that I was not really sure what I was doing there. After I went running on the beach, I fed the seagulls, and it was then that I wondered if I had really come all the way to New Hampshire just to give bread to seabirds. My meeting in Concord with Benjamin Roth, who would take me to visit Harry, was not until 11 a.m. In the meantime, because I did not want to be alone, I went to eat pancakes at Clark's. Harry used to take me there early in the mornings when I was a student and staying with him. He would wake me before dawn, unceremoniously shaking me and explaining that it was time to put on my running gear. Then we would go down to the beach to run and box. When he got tired, he would coach me, interrupting what he was doing supposedly in order to correct my movements and positions, although I knew it was really so he could catch his breath. Jogging and exercising, we would cover the few miles of beach that linked Goose Cove to Somerset. Then we would climb up the rocks of Grand Beach and pass through the still-sleeping town. On the main street, which was still plunged in darkness, we would see from afar the bright light that poured through the bay window of the diner, the only place open at such an early hour. Inside, all was perfectly calm. The few customers were truck drivers or farmhands eating their breakfast in silence. In the background, we could hear the radio, always tuned to a news channel, but with the volume turned so low that it was impossible to understand all the newscaster's words. On hot mornings, the ceiling fan creaked metallically as it beat the air, making dust motes dance around the lamps. We would sit at table 17, and Jenny would appear instantly to serve us coffee. She always smiled at me with a gentleness that was almost maternal. She said, Poor Marcus. Is he making you get up at dawn? He's done that ever since I've known him. And we would laugh. But on June 17, 2008, despite the early hour, Clark's was already bustling. Everyone was talking about the case, and when I entered, the regulars crowded around me to ask if it was true, if Harry had had an affair with Nola, and if he had killed her and Deborah Cooper. 
I avoided their questions and sat down at table 17, which was still free. That was when I discovered that the plaque in honor of Harry had been removed. All that remained were two screw holes in the wood of the table and the shape where the metal had discolored the varnish. Jenny came to serve me coffee and greeted me kindly. She looked sad. Are you staying at Harry's place? She asked. Yes. You took off the plaque? Yes. Why? He wrote the book for that girl, Marcus. For a fifteen-year-old girl. I can't leave the plaque there. That's not love, it's disgusting. I think it's a little more complicated than that, I said. And I think you should keep your nose out of this, Marcus. You should go back to New York and stay far away from all of